0: You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Hi everyone, it's Christina from The Good GP. Following on from our last episode on smoking cessation, today I continue my discussions with Kim Yuke, an Aboriginal health worker specialising in the area of smoking cessation. To this time talk about some special population groups, including breastfeeding and pregnant women, as well as looking at the... At the use of non-nicotine replacement therapy options such as varenicline as well as some of the support options available to help our patients in their quitting journey i hope you enjoy the podcast welcome to the podcast kim and thanks so much for joining me today now I wanted to touch on sort of I guess a subgroup in this pregnant women and breastfeeding we know that there's obviously a lot of harm of smoking in these periods of life it is a time that we really want to encourage women to be able to quit smoking but it's often something that I think health professionals can be cautious about prescribing nicotine replacement whilst someone's pregnant or breastfeeding do you have some advice there The RACGP guidelines have done that for me.
1: (laughs) The recommendation certainly states that um, nicotine replacement should be considered for all smoking women in pregnancy. So that's now based on good evidence that again, it's always safer to be using nicotine rather than smoking. So what we also know about pregnancy and nicotine is pregnant women metabolise nicotine more quickly than those who aren't pregnant. And that varies across the menstrual cycle as well. But we know that using a minimum dose of nicotine replacement with the idea of trying to minimise damage is actually more harmful because you're not going to get a good reduction in cravings and you're not going to get good treatment with a lower dose. So again, it would be a matter of seeing the client. Obviously, gold standard practice is quitting cold turkey, but often if the client's smoking, when they come to see you, they've probably tried because again, most women know that smoking is not good for them or their baby. So what we would then be doing is using patches, but for 16 hours a day. So that's probably the other exception that I didn't mention before. So, you'd be putting a patch on early in the morning and taking it off at night so the growing bub gets a chance to be nicotine free for eight hours and even before that depending on the level of smoking you try the intermittent NRT so you'd be getting mum to identify when she was going to have a smoke having some nicotine that's really quite a challenging behaviour for a lot of young mums so often it will end up being nicotine patches that are the most effective for a mum but again when women are coming into a medical practice when they're pregnant they expect to have that conversation around smoking they also expect it to be acknowledged that it's a difficult thing to do
0: Absolutely, and I think that's fantastic advice. And you know, really, hopefully, confirms for those health professionals out there listening that it is a really important time to have that conversation, and it is safe to be using nicotine replacement, and certainly, it's safer to be using that than to continue smoking. Now, I wanted to move on from nicotine replacement therapy and talk about some of the other interventions that are around, and the main one that we talk about is varenicline. So I just wanted to start off I guess thinking around the practicalities of actually prescribing varenicline and what GPs need to know in order to help their patients navigate that part of the smoking cessation.
1: So if I'm seeing a client who after a conversation would like the choice of using the medication and again that's often driven by what's happening in the community, someone else has had good success with it and that's that's totally fine. The evidence is certainly there for varenicline to be used as a cessation aid. One of the biggest side effects is nausea so varenicline is prescribed in titrated um, increasing doses but the nausea can be managed by taking the medication in the middle of a meal so glass of milk piece of toast then have your tablet then you have your, your apple or whatever else you're eating or half of your sandwich first and then the second half it can be really cause quite significant nausea obviously you can manage that with some Anti-emetic if the client really wants to continue with that medication and is finding the nausea difficult. So that's an option as well. Verenicline has historically had black box labels in America and the UK and Australian doctors no doubt have known about what we believe were increased psychiatric events. The Eagle study in 2016 debunked that myth largely that there wasn't an increase in psychiatric events with the use of client. But like anything, there are side effects for some of these medications and it's just a matter of knowing if you've got a client who's had a history of either suicidality or severe mental health issues, it would be making the judgment call as to whether you feel their mental health was stable and obviously keeping an eye on them and warning them about any suicidal thoughts and, and making sure that they stop medication.
0: Yeah it's a great point so I think not only a health professional is a little bit cautious about that but a lot of patients too Absolutely. a lot of them have heard about that as a potential side effect and sometimes when you raise I know in my experience when I've raised this as an option the patient actually says oh no I can't have that because of my depression yeah. or you know so yeah it's important to be able to debunk that and acknowledge I guess that there's a lot of evidence that just the quitting period in general puts people at risk of relapses or worsening in their mental health or even. So suicidal ideation in that time frame. And so I guess from a GP perspective, really thinking about if you've got a patient that is predisposed to that or has a history of mental illness, that not just for the varenicline but for any offering of smoking cessation support that that is something that you really need to be mindful of and monitoring closely and offering that sort of mental health support that's appropriate for that patient.
1: Absolutely and just a title side note Christina, <laughs> is that once our clients quit smoking it's the equivalent mental health effects of starting on an antidepressant really really powerful health intervention you know when you get equivalent results of starting on an antidepressant or quitting smoking
0: well i'm glad that you just said that because i feel like that's something i'm going to tell my patients now (laughs) as a bit of a carrot in terms of actually we know that once you've gotten there once you've actually quit smoking this is just as powerful as me prescribing you an antidepressant for your mental health so that's Mm. yeah that's a really great tip to all right coming back to combination we keep coming back to this idea of combination medication And varenicline with NRT, did you want to talk about that? Sure.
1: Verenicline and NRT work slightly differently on the brain. And so we know that if the clients are using verenicline and they're still experiencing cravings, uh, it's completely safe to um, supplement that Varenicline dose with some probably starting with intermittent, intermittent NRT. So if there's particular times when they're having cravings, there's absolutely no reason why they can't be using an inhaler or a mist or one of the other products. Products. And also, if they're still experiencing cravings and the varenicline is still working a little bit, you can certainly go to patches as well. So those combinations are, are totally acceptable. And again, it's watching for side effects. It's managing what are the side effects or the difficulties are with, the, with those medications. And I think, you know, part of the magic of getting someone to quit smoking is to getting them to sustain the treatment for the three months as well as counselling.
0: Yeah. And I think at this all of this conversation really reinforces to me the importance of close follow-up don't just write the script and let them go you know getting them back because it might be that if they did just add in a patch to the verona client or add in a little bit of nrt you know a week later or two weeks later you might actually completely change that person's trajectory and help them actually quit rather than giving up and going back to the cigarette so i think that close monitoring and follow-up for the patients is really important part of our role
1: and that comes down to the counseling as well so if Mm. the client is coming back to see you you're going to be encouraging you know you're you're going to be problem solving and helping them on the journey whereas they often go home and go well that didn't work i tried it for a week and it didn't work i didn't stop smoking so having that close contact is really 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 important and i think that's probably what i see in my practice and i am seeing really good results because i am able to follow up people really closely
0: Mm. okay now we did mention with the nicotine replacement therapy in terms of that lead-in phase veronacline is similar in terms of people can and continue smoking for the start, when they start that medication. Did you have any sort of tips or thoughts around that or it's pretty similar to the discussion around the NRT?
1: I think it's quite similar. The client will let you know whether that medication is working by itself because they will quit smoking because it sort of stops the the desire to smoke. So I don't think there's any great differences unless the client themselves wants to pick a quit date, which is totally fine. But in terms of the health professional asking them to to pick a quit date, I find that quite challenging for people. And I I always say to people when they come into the room, I'm not going to ask you to quit smoking today because, you know, what would happen if I asked you to quit smoking today? They all go, well, I wouldn't. I couldn't. So I think sort of flipping it on its head and sort of saying, we're working working towards quitting, what's happening this week, what's happening this week? And whether it be Verne or um, NRT, I think it's a similar
0: approach. Yeah, Okay. So any other general tips that we can have in our toolbox when we are talking to patients about smoking? any other sort of tips and tricks that you discuss with your patients at all?
1: I guess the only other thing that probably comes to mind is the complexity of smoking and the reason that we, we still see high levels of smoking in disadvantaged communities. So a whole lot of my clients will get referrals to the psychologist. Um, if people were concerned about gaining weight, we will certainly do referrals to the dietitian afterwards. Getting whatever other issues are pressing on the client to get them supported so that they're not depending on smoking. as, as stress relief or as coping mechanisms. So it's relearning a whole lot of stuff and bringing in whatever other services are that are needed to support that other stuff as well
0: yeah absolutely and I think that can actually be a bit of a deal breaker in terms of someone having that light bulb moment and going I'm actually going to do this because often they know it'll be good for my health and I'm spending all this money on cigarettes and they can see those advantages but often there will be just quite a simple well it's not simple but <laughs> but a barrier there and it might be fears around weight gain something that I commonly hear is that's my stress relief if I don't have that how am I going to de-stress from work or de-stress from whatever else might be going on So it might be just really identifying that barrier and then working out, right, well, how can we work on that part? And it might even be that, okay, let's forget about the stopping smoking and let's just work on that for six months. And then once you feel comfortable and we've got that under control and you've maybe got another stress relief strategy there or gone down the line of some counselling around dietary intervention and exercise and that sort of thing, that that might get them over the line and make them feel comfortable and go, okay, well, I actually feel ready. So I think sometimes right from the start address, Addressing those barriers is just as important as addressing what is the motivating factor there
1: yeah, absolutely yeah the weight gain is you know again it's societal you know I see it in my practice every day what we do know from the research is that most people gain between two and five kilos which is not it's not ideal but it's not a huge amount Nrt is slightly protective against the weight gain so that's something that I often say to people you know it, nicotine is slightly protective because it's a bit of an appetite suppressant but what we usually do is often often start with smoking cessation and then The skills that they've learnt around that are often applicable to dietary change as well. So it's kind of a a building on thing. But I guess the trauma in the background of people's stories when they become highly stressed is important. The other thing I often explain to people is the stress paradox. So if you're smoking 20 cigarettes a day, you're going through nicotine withdrawal 20 times a day. So you're feeling very, very stressed, but you're actually not um, relieving any of the underlying stress. You're just relieving the nicotine addiction. So once the nicotine addiction's gone out of your life, your baseline level of stress will be much, much lower anyway. Mm.
0: Excellent. Another great way to describe that as well. Yeah. All right, anything that we haven't touched on today? We've been through quite a bit. We did sort of go through those supports and we talked about Quitline. Are there any apps or anything? We're in the day of phones and everyone having things at their fingertips. Any sort of apps that you do recommend? Hey, mate, I'm an old person, but... my quit buddy yeah quit for you quit for two
1: there's one called Q-U-I-T quit deep breathing app yes so that's something that I'll often do with people as well so I'm giving them those little strategies I often break down some of the non-smoking strategies into very small pieces in the amount of time that it would take you to have a cigarette why don't you go and do an alternative activity and it might be playing Scrabble or something on the phone it might be playing a phone game it might be doing a deep breathing app the other ones they'll count down the money they'll do all sorts of things so there's some really interesting options as well.
0: Absolutely. Kim, thank you so much. This has been fantastic and a great refresher for me. I send lots of patients your sure. way. I really appreciate all the hard work that you're doing in this space. And it's just fantastic that some of the other GPs out there can gather some of these mm-hmm. insights and hopefully help them quit smoking. I think it's one of the things that we really have the opportunity as GPs to save lives with this intervention. So thank you again for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Music